Several years ago, I land in Bangkok. I, that sounds kind of like, where is this going to go? But I land in Bangkok. It was, a, it was a, a mission experience I went to a couple of years ago. It was my, my first night in Thailand, and we arrived really, really late. Uh, and I, it's so late that I got to the hotel at 2.30 in the morning. So get into the hotel at 2.30 in the morning. I walk into this super dark hotel room because I'm sharing a room with a man that I never met before. And uh, he lives on the West Coast and I live on the East Coast. So I, I, there's a little, little, uh, a little note on, on the furniture as I kind of open a little light or maybe with my phone. And it just, it just says something like, Hi, David. I'm sleeping. I will... I'm looking forward to meeting you in the morning. I'm like, I have no idea what he looks like. It's pitch black. So I get to bed, and it's, the next day is Sunday morning. And, and um, because it's, it's just the one Sunday that I happen to be in Bangkok, I really want to go check out and visit with the church in the city. So I decide to still wake up early, like only four hours of sleep, 6.30 or so, because I have to figure out how to get to this place. So it's pitch black in the room. And uh, this man starts speaking to me. It's 6.30 in the morning. I still don't know what he looks like. And so he's like, hey, how are you? Good. And like, you know, beds beside each other. It's pitch black. And, um, and we start talking. And we must have talked for about 10 minutes or so and have this conversation. And then when it seemed like we were done, I just hear the, like the sheets open up on his side. And he opens the curtains and light just kind of flows in the room. And here he is, full pajamas, like head to toe. A uh, white, white set of hair. It's a 74-year-old man named Carlin. I, and, and the way he was talking, he didn't sound 74. And um, so he, he's, I meet this person for the first time. His name is Carlin, 74 years old, uh, pastored and taught the Bible all of his life, has resourced missions in so many ways uh, around the world, just so passionate. And so as, as a younger pastor at the time, and I hope I'm still a younger pastor in this time, but as an even younger pastor at the time, it was great to just sit with him and talk with him and listen to him. He had so much wisdom to share. So I listened and asked questions and threw some challenges at him, and he was like a walking wisdom dictionary. Like, he just had a ton of wisdom. And later that year, I, I bumped into a friend who pastors on the West Coast in Vancouver and uh, is, is leading a really great um, a church plant out there, and he served with Carlin for a couple of years. And so he asked me, he says, did you get any Carlinisms? And I'm like, what isms? He's like, did you get any Carlinisms? He just, Carlin has this way of, of sharing a phrase and you listen to it, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. Or that's such good wisdom. And then I thought back and I'm like, yeah, he shared a couple, so many great things that I almost had to write them down. And he was just that kind of person. And it reminded me, meeting this guy, Carlin, in a kind of really awkward way, my first night in Thailand, that we all need wisdom as we walk through life. This man was full of it in so many ways, full of wisdom. And I thought about it this way. A good life doesn't always or doesn't require a map, but it does require guidance, right? A good life doesn't require a map where you need to know exactly where you're going, but it does require guidance and wisdom, and as long as humanity has existed, this idea of wisdom or even the body of wisdom literature or wisdom in our world has been so necessary because there's a need for guidance and advice and um, principles so we can make something good of our lives. 
And I'm sure many of you have been the benefactor of somebody else's wisdom. Would you say yes? You've been the benefactor of somebody else's wisdom. Now don't put up your hand because maybe I'm going to ask, have someone ever been the benefactor of your wisdom? That's okay. So don't, we, won't, we won't let you say yes or no to that. But, but this, is, this is amazing because there's no surprise that in the scriptures, five out of the 66 books are poetry, but they're called wisdom literature. Five out of the 66 books in the Old and New Testament, and they're all found in the Old Testament, are all about wisdom. Now, of course, someone might say, well, isn't everything God said wise? Yeah. Isn't everything that Jesus, you know, everything that came out of Jesus' mouth, wasn't it wisdom? Yes, for sure. But there is this special set of books dedicated to living well, dedicated to building a life that is lived well. Those five books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And if you read them, as a follower of Christ or as a person of faith, they might throw you a curveball. And the reason they throw you a curveball is that outside of the Psalms, they rarely mention faith. Outside of the Psalms, you rarely read a prayer. Outside of the Psalms, in fact, the Song of Solomon never mentions the word God in the Song of Solomon. There's very little talk of God's interactions with Israel, even though it's within the Old Testament scriptures except for the Psalms. But they all give us this raw version of how life really works. When you read this kind of wisdom literature in the scriptures, they give us this version of how life really works. When you read Job, you start to understand the the truth around suffering. When you read the Psalms, it gives you language to pray in the most honest, honest way. When you read Proverbs, you find wisdom on everyday life like finances and relationships and decisions. When you read Ecclesiastes, you begin to discern how you can deal and and walk through the the, the doubts you have in your life. When you read through Song of Solomon, it points us to a love um, between a man and a woman that is so deep. And so... It's beautiful literature. Sometimes, sometimes this wisdom literature shows us patterns and principles and shows us how we can live really well and what we can expect out of life. Sometimes, like Job, it shows us that um, you're not always going to get what you expect in life. And sometimes the principle just doesn't work in the moment. And sometimes you just got to realize that, okay, I'm in another, I'm in another field right now. This is not, you know, all those principles aren't working. And so I want to I start a series today. For the next month, here in August, we're going to be talking about something we're, we're calling it grounded. What it means to pursue and grow in wisdom for everyday living. Because it's not enough just to have wisdom for like uh, some utopian life. You want wisdom for your life today, right? You want wisdom for today's life and tomorrow's life and what's going on in your life. Now, before we read some of the wisdom literature, I want to reference Jesus because Jesus had one of the most famous sayings that people love about Jesus uh, is in John 10.10 where it talks about Jesus in this way. It says, the son or Jesus came to give life and life to the fullest. People love that. I want an amazing life. I want a life that only Jesus can give me when I follow him. Jesus comes to give us life because he frees us from sin. He offers us forgiveness. He points us to the way of God's kingdom. Too many Christians believe, though, that this life that we get or the, that from Jesus is mostly about like something spiritual or something eternal or something in heaven. 
And it's so true. The life we get in Jesus starts here but continues into eternity. That's a promise. But Jesus also said this in Matthew 6. He teaches us how to pray. He says, when you pray to God, pray to your heavenly Father and, and pray this. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. But I bet you, if you've ever gone to a large Christian event where there's a preacher and they're trying to help people come to know Christ, they probably talk more about heaven than about earth. Jesus' prayer, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May this life that God has in store for us here as well, not only into eternity, even though that's a beautiful promise. And I love this, just focusing on this word earth, the here and the now, in the moment, in your lifetime, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, where you are grounded. It's also here, it's also now, where we need wisdom. Eugene Peterson said these words, that wisdom in, in a biblical sense, and it's on the screen, wisdom is the biblical term for earth as it is in heaven living. I love that. Wisdom is a biblical term for earth as it is in heaven type of living. And so as I was thinking about this, um, I, I came across, I, I kind of wrote this down uh, maybe five or six weeks ago. And it's this, this little phrase that you can put up in the next slide. That when we discover the gospel, the message and teachings of Jesus, the person of Jesus, we discover a source of abundant living, right? That the Son has come to give us life to the fullest. Only through Jesus we find that source of abundant living. But wisdom gives us the skills for abundant living. The gospel transforms us, changes us, forgives us, puts us in right relationship with God, um, gives us the life of God through his Holy Spirit in us. The gospel is the source of abundant living. But wisdom is skills for abundant living. And I know this is true. You know why I know this is true? Because God has transformed my heart and promised me eternity but there are still areas in my life that I need to grow in wisdom. And I know this to be true because there's many people that I met that I know love God. In fact, even some people in this room or in any kind of Christian gathering will worship the Lord so deeply, but they walk out and they start living their life with poor wisdom. And they're like, but I thought, God, you promised me abundant living. And they're ignoring the skills for abundant living. How we move forward in the life that God has in store for us. So I want to start reading today, Proverbs chapter 1, just a few verses um, from this, this wisdom book. And uh, let's read it on the screen together. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining of wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When we read even the first verse that says the Proverbs of Solomon. Solomon was known as the wise, a wise king in his era. And so whether he, many things that he did write down and even things that he necessarily didn't write down often were attributed to his wisdom, the wisdom of Solomon. And so here we have these Proverbs that he wrote down and even a collection of other sayings of the time. These collections of sayings, these collections of Proverbs, you call them. And the whole purpose for this book 
The whole purpose of this book is to gain wisdom. In fact, I often tell people that I'm either counseling with or talking with, uh, they're, they're walking through some stuff, but they're, they're like, I, I, don't want any, I don't want any Jesus stuff, please. I don't want any spiritual stuff. I'm like, can I, can I give you like one book in the scriptures that um, even if you don't believe in Jesus will help you out? They're like, yeah, which one? I, I think I like that one. I'm like, read the Proverbs. Because when you read Proverbs, you can actually follow the wisdom in this book and grow and live. It's not to take away our relationship with God. We know that. We, we long to grow in Christ and we long to see people come to Christ. But it's so beautiful to know that within our scriptures, we have this wisdom for us. The purpose of the collection of these sayings is to gain wisdom, to acquire wisdom or insight or instruction or words like understanding. But it's more than just theory. It's not just about learning. It's about moving to action. But here's the thing. Before we act, this is what wisdom is about. It's about actually thinking things through so you know how to act. How many times in in our lives have we been at a moment where we need to make a decision and wisdom would tell us to think things through as we make this decision? When we ignore, we're like, no, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. Oh, this might be a good idea. This sounds cool. I like this. This sounds popular. This is trending on Twitter. Why don't I do that, right? And so, but wisdom would say, what wisdom is about when we see it in the context of Proverbs is the ability to think things through so we can formulate a plan. Wise people think towards an action. And here's the heart of wisdom, and I I like it this way. The heart of wisdom, and, and, and the author puts this word twice, just in seven verses. It's the word understanding. The heart of wisdom is understanding. Proverbs connects wisdom with a desire to understand. Not just to know, not just just to get information, but to understand. To have insight into why something works or something doesn't work. I bet you you 50% of the people here lack the patience to figure out how things work. I'm in that 50%. Like when I come up with a problem, like, I don't know, a plumbing problem, I'm like, I don't have patience for that. I don't, I, don't, I, can't, I don't want to figure out how that works. I'll call someone who does. But then there's 50% of us who really, like, looking at Eric Onya here, he probably would love to just sit there and like, you know what, I'm going to wait. This might take me an hour, but I'm going to figure out how this thing's worked, this thing, and I'm going to fix it. That's, that's kind of like what, what understanding is about. When I first started dating my wife, Franca, I lacked understanding. I didn't have a clue why sometimes I let her down. I didn't know. I lacked the understanding to know. I was sometimes clueless about the link between my actions and her feelings. Has that ever happened in a relationship? (laughs) That's the lack of understanding. Now, I might say I was so dumb. And you're like, no, don't say you're dumb. But I felt like I was dumb, right? But it was not that I was dumb. I was unwise. It's It's not that I lacked intellect. I could read. I could do math. I went to school. But I lacked wisdom and understanding to understand the link between my actions and her feelings. That's understanding. Understanding is the link between two things. It's kind of like when we, we, people say, let's look under the hood. Right? You bring your car to the mechanic. You know it makes a noise, but you have no clue what's happening. So you bring it to the mechanic. What does the mechanic do? Well, let's look under the hood. Let's check this thing out. I'll figure out, let's figure out why this noise is going. You're like, man, the, my, my right wheel, it turns, but when it turns, I hear this little thing. Sometimes I feel like it's going off. He's like, okay, don't, you know what, let's take it off. Let's look under the, let's figure this out. 
Let's make this happen. And it's the understanding between, it's the link between what is going on and why it's going on. Good counselors are really good at this. Maybe a, a person or a couple comes in um, to a counselor and maybe, you know, the husband says, man, my wife, she just responds to me in this way all the time. And then the wife says, my husband never does this. And then they both scream out loud and say, we, we don't know, we don't communicate to each other. And so the counselor is listening and asking questions. What's the counselor doing? The counselor is looking under the hood of their relationship. Maybe you walk in just personally and you share these things with this counselor and the counselor listens and looks under the hood. I've had the opportunity to help um, pre-married couples work towards marriage and often I do premarital counseling and, and I use a survey uh, that these couples fill out and, and some great information comes from this survey. And one of the things that comes out from this survey, it's the, it's the personal stress levels. You read these personal stress levels Sometimes there's two or three, and sometimes there's like 12. You're like, oh my, I feel bad for this person. They're so stressed out. Um, And one of the top stress levels often is money. I'm stressed about money. Or if they're getting married, I'm stressed about the finances for the wedding. And, And what we often do in that moment is, hey, man, I see you're really stressed about this. Tell me why. Hey, next week when we get together and we talk about financial principles, would you be willing to bring your budget and actually just lay it on the table confidentially how much money you make and where you spend and all that kind of stuff. What are we doing? We're looking under the hood and saying, where, what is the cause of this stress? Then we figure out they spend like a thousand bucks a month at the keg and they have no money for it. And they're like, well, there, here's the, well, that would be too easy, right? But, but that's like an exaggeration. So wisdom is understanding. Wisdom is always understanding, but it always moves towards a goal. Verse three says this, love how verse 3 describes it. Talks about um, receiving instruction in prudent what? Behavior. And doing what is right and just and fair. It's this idea that wisdom is not just about figuring stuff out, but it's actually about action. Wisdom isn't just a theory. The goal of wisdom is life, is living, is growing. In fact, the word knowledge comes up six or seven times just in this passage. And it's not just an intellectual knowledge. It's a living knowledge. In the Hebrew, it's this knowledge that you live out. The connection between my head and my hands. It's not just about knowing stuff. So wisdom is understanding. So you can think things through and move towards action. And I I would bet that... In your life or my life, there's been seasons, or maybe you're in it now, where you have a firm faith and you are abiding in Christ. And it's very possible God's getting your attention as you pray and read the scriptures and we grow as a church community. But I bet you there's some parts of your life where it's, it's not that the gospel hasn't affected you. It's that you haven't grown in wisdom to understand the connection between what you're doing and why you're doing it. And this is the beauty of wisdom. This is what we want to look at for the next couple of weeks. But here's my question as we we slowly move to a close. Here's the question. Do you actually want it? Do you want wisdom? Do you desire wisdom? Because the word in verse 2 is that you would gain wisdom, that you would get wisdom, that you would take and grab hold of wisdom. And it's interesting, in verse 7, this little portion of the introduction ends this way. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or of knowledge. But what? But fools, what is it? despise wisdom and instruction. There are people, and maybe we're one of them, that do not want wisdom. 
They're, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, leave me alone. Let me be. I don't care about understanding this. I don't care about the wisdom behind it. I don't care what you have to teach me. I don't care if you've gone through it seven times and you're telling me seven, the same thing happened over again. I want to try it for myself, right? Some of us just don't care. So, and the scripture says fools despise wisdom and discernment. So a big question, just a simple question. Do we want wisdom? Because many people don't. Scripture tells us right here, many people don't. Many people even despise it. Do we want scripture, uh, wisdom? But here's where it starts, the same verse. We'll just highlight the top part. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Here, as this introduction to this incredible wisdom book starts off, starts off really in the early section with this. Yes, gain wisdom, move towards wisdom, learn discernment so you can move towards action. But here's a big starting point. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear can be also translated as wonder or awe or reverence. Even a sense of tremble, not because we're afraid of God, but because we realize God is so big, so wonderful, so majestic, so omniscient. He knows all things that we literally tremble under the beauty and power and awesomeness and holiness of that. And the writer says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it's in a, just a simple way I want to get it across for you today. That God is bigger and his wisdom is brighter. This is, this is what this is saying. That God is bigger and his wisdom is brighter than all of us. That's the start of this. That's the, the posture of this. That God is bigger and his wisdom is brighter. And when we get this, here, this is beautiful. When we get this, then we go after wisdom. If we don't get this, we don't go after wisdom. If we don't get this, we don't posture our lives towards receiving that but when we get this we go after wisdom we recognize there is someone who is way beyond us in knowledge and understanding and the first step in being grounded in wisdom is knowing that you don't know it's first step knowing that you don't know when I was 15 years old I had um, I was I was uh, learning to play the saxophone and as a learning to be a musician and I started to actually take saxophone lessons um, from someone uh that, I'm, that it was actually my church. He was a really, really good saxophone player. And, and I got to be honest, for 13, 14, 15 years old, I probably idolized him a little bit because it's like he was so good. And, and uh, I listened to him and talked to him, and so I took lessons from him. He was a great musician. He was a nice guy. But I knew something when I went to lessons that helped me become a musician or succeed in music at the time. I knew something that would help me, and this is what I knew. I knew that I didn't know what he knew. That's what helped me. I knew that I didn't know what he knew. Does that make sense? Right? If, if I was going like, to grow in just this little part of my life, just music, it's not all of life, it's not all of wisdom, in just this little part of music, I knew that if I was going to grow in that, if I was going to benefit from that, I had to understand that there were things that I knew I didn't know that he knew. And that's why I went to lessons. And so I approached my time with him with this expectation that his musical wisdom was going to help me. That his musical wisdom was beyond mine. That 
in musical terms, he was bigger and brighter than me. And the scripture says that if we want to grow in wisdom, we must recognize that God is bigger and brighter and that his wisdom is way beyond us. That God's wonder and God's word, his bigness, his brightness. When I say brightness, I'm talking about bright, not bright, shiny, but bright like incredibly wise. God's bigger and brighter than us. But here's, this is, this is a little key here. This is how you know and I know that we actually recognize God's bigness and brightness. This is how we know we will recognize God's God in this way. This is how we know that we have the capacity to grow in wisdom. And it's not just saying that God's bigger and brighter, but it's our posture in being humble and being hungry. Those two things. You will know that you are ready to receive God's wisdom and grow in wisdom, not just when you know he's bigger and brighter, but when you're humble enough and hungry enough to welcome it. Does that make sense? Then you're humble enough and hungry enough to welcome it. When you are in awe of God, it humbles you before God. You know what else? It humbles you before people. Please, you know it's a camouflage when people say, I'm humble before God. God's the wise one, but they're not humble with anybody else. That just means they're prideful. If God is the only one in the universe that you feel humble with, then you're prideful. I mean, that's, it's a no-brainer. It's like one of those extreme examples. You know, what if you get caught in a treasure, on an island one day and you have to bring one or two things? What are you going to bring? Like, it's one of those kind of things that you know like is almost never going to happen. That only God is the one more wiser than me. When you are in awe of God, it humbles you before him and others. And when you know he's brighter than you, you are hungry for his wisdom. And here's this subtle truth. Pride will kill, will kill any hope of wisdom in my life, in your life. When I was a kid, I was 12 or 13 years old, and there was this... um, this guy in our church, he was, uh, he was older than us. He was like an athlete. He was strong. He was agile. He played football. He, I think he did martial arts or something. And, and I remember, you know, we would hang out with him, me and, uh, and a few of our friends. And, and he, I think he was possibly even a youth leader at the time. And, and so he was a kind of a fun guy to hang around. I was 12 or 13. What did I know about discernment, right? Like in terms of like, like discerning this person, right? He, he said one thing. He used to say this thing to us over and over again that at the time it was really funny. We laughed about it. We're like, this is cool. You're so cool. It's awesome that we're here. But he would say these words. He'd say, you don't even know the things I've forgotten. You ever hear something? <laughs> I'm like, now you're like, how arrogant, right? But I mean, but, but he'd say that, you know, to 12 or 13-year-old kids. You know, it's like, guys, you don't even know the things I've forgotten. He didn't say it like he came from St. Leonard, but that's, that's how he said it. That's what he said. And we used to laugh. Oh, you're so cool. You're so smart. You're so strong. I love the way you throw football. Yeah, for sure. We're stupid. You're smart. Like, that was just, that was it, right? But now, looking back, if he was really truthful about that statement, that's just pride. If that was really what he believed in his heart, that's just pride. And it was unfortunate because as I got older, and he moved on, I realized some of the unwise things that he did. In some ways, he contributed to one broken marriage and then contributed to another broken marriage and then contributed to other things around him. At 13, I didn't get it. But that pride, I think, broke away at the possibility for wisdom 
Because only when we're humble can we embrace the bigness and brightness of God's wisdom and the wisdom around us. Pride kills wisdom. Humility welcomes it. But are we hungry for it? Humility and hunger. Are we hungry for it? To get it, to gain it, to welcome it. I was reading an article a couple of months back about um, a, a CEO of a company. I can't remember who it was or what he led, but he, he described, you know, you know those articles is like four things that I learned about leadership or whatever. And uh, one of the four things he said was, you know, the ability to learn from anybody. And he shared this story that he was invited I don't know if it was randomly or what, he was invited at the time, this was several, several years ago, to the Oval Office and the president was there and there were a whole bunch of people and they were sitting around the Oval Office and the president's talking and he turns to this individual and he's, and they're t- he's talking about just a, an issue that they're working through at the moment. And he just asks this question, he's like, hey, what do you think? I'd really love to know what you think about this. The guy's like, what do I think? You're the president, what do you think? What do you care about what I think? But the president was like, no, I really genuinely want to know. What do you think? I'd really appreciate your insight. And it got this person realizing that wise people are always hungry to learn and always hungry to grow and always hungry to grow in wisdom. Wisdom starts in humility and hunger when we recognize God is bigger and brighter and there's a wellspring of wisdom to help us grow in understanding and think things through towards the course of action. I'm going to invite the worship team to come as we close our gathering today. And um, I love this one verse in in verse 5. I think that really describes what we're talking about here. And it says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Why would the wise need to add to their learning? Because people who are wise always want to add to their learning. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. If you have discernment, why do you need more guidance? But those who are discerning always look for guidance. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. Then here's, here was the verse of the day in Bible Gateway today as I popped it up this morning. And it's Psalm 119, verse 30. And I think it wraps it up together with where we're headed today is the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Don't misunderstand simple and simplistic. The simple, those who know, desire, recognize God is bigger and brighter. They're humble and hungry. The unfolding of your words, God, gives light. That's a recognition. It gives understanding to the simple. Since we close today and as we jump into this series for the next few weeks, my heart is that we would be grounded in this wisdom that God offers us in this wisdom that is the scriptures, that's inside the scriptures for us. And some of the wisdom or the source and and what the scriptures say even in this is going to surprise some of us. Um, Some of it's going to encourage us. Some of it's going to challenge us. Some of it's going to give us maybe exactly what we need in a season. Or maybe maybe it's not going to give us specific um, information, but maybe a way to grow in a specific way. And that's what I'm excited for because... God longs for us to grow in wisdom now, today, grounded in our life. Amen? Let's stand as we pray, and we're going to move into a time of communion today as well. Father, um, we love 
that you are bigger and brighter. And yes, we will proclaim with the scriptures and may it be true in our hearts as we say it that we have we stand in a sense in fear of you in awe of you in wonder of you oh God even in this moment if the bigness of who you are would make us tremble may that lead to humility and hunger for wisdom ultimately for you God, we long to be the kind of people that um, cannot just discover abundant living through the incredible person and message of your son, Jesus. And we stand on that truth, unashamed, and are so grateful, even as we're going to celebrate it in communion today. We also long to be people who embrace wisdom to give us the skills for abundant living. And maybe right now as we're praying, Lord, there's, there's flashes of, of our relationships, of our career, of a friendship or a marriage, of our finances, of a difficult situation we need guidance on, of a, of a, of a turn that our life just took and we're trying to figure out how to deal with it, Lord. And I, Lord, you want to be involved in those details. You want to be involved in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. And we just want to be people who welcome wisdom towards living. I mean, as we open our hearts right now to break bread and wine, Remind us of the incredible life that we have in you, in your son Jesus, and the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.